This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Threepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Year's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Finsider Radio, part of TheFinsider.com and the SB Nation Network. And now, your host, Matthew Kanata, joined by co-hosts Josh Houts and Aaron Sutton. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Finsider Radio. This is Matt Kanata, joined by Josh Houts and Aaron Sutton and the Miami Dolphins. Sitting at 4-4 four and four with the trade deadline of the NFL now gone, and the Miami Dolphins not making any moves. We're going to discuss that. We're going to discuss the addition of Ziggy Hood to the defensive line. We're going to talk about Ryan Tannehill and the latest news regarding him and Devontae Parker, who had a monster game against the Houston Texans, obviously not going anywhere with the trade deadline now gone and him remaining on the team. What does his future look like in Miami, and can the Dolphins count on him, and who is his biggest supporter in the Dolphins building? The answer might surprise you. We'll talk about all those topics on this version of this podcast. For those looking for a Jets preview, we will have another episode later in the week, breaking down the Jets game with a special guest from Gang Green Nation, part of the SB Nation Network. So please stay tuned for that. But let's kick things right off here with the NFL trade deadline coming and going. A few trades here and there. Golden Tate going to the Philadelphia Eagles. Haha ha, Clinton Dix going to the Washington Redskins. Demarius Thomas, probably the biggest name being moved, headed to the Houston Texans. Other small moves here and there. Dante Fowler going from the Jaguars to the Rams. And I include that in the small move. I saw a lot of chatter 
on Twitter, Houghton Sutton, about this move. And Dante Fowler had fallen out of favor with the Jaguars coaching staff. And some people I saw on Dolphins Twitter comparing Dante Fowler to Devontae Parker, where the Jaguars are willing to move on from Fowler for trade compensation, but they're not willing to move on from a guy like Parker. The difference is, the huge difference is, Parker was the number one wide receiver and is the number one wide receiver on the Dolphins. Dante Fowler was more second string, third string kind of guy in the Jaguars. So two completely different scenarios. I retweeted something earlier on Tuesday where someone was saying that Jaguars fans were shocked they were able to get a third round pick. I think it was a sixth or seventh round pick for Fowler and everyone else around the league was saying, wow, I can't believe the Rams gave up a third and a sixth or whatever it was for Dante Fowler. So two different sides of the spectrum there. But we're going to get into that Devontae Parker comparison and just everything about Devontae Parker later in this show. But I want to open things up here with the NFL trade deadline, Sutton and Houts. And I think we all had similar theories as to what the Dolphins should do and similar ideas. But the execution of them may have played out a little differently. And I'm going to start off here. And obviously, this is for entertainment purposes only because none of this happened. But here's what I would have done if I was the Miami Dolphins general manager. I would have looked at this as a complete total teardown, a full rebuild. I don't think the Dolphins are going to make the playoffs this year. They might squeak in because the AFC is so weak. But I don't think they're going to go far once they get in. If they get in. I don't think that Ryan Tannehill is the future of this team. I don't think, obviously, Brock Osweiler is the future of this team. So you're going to need a franchise quarterback. You're going to need to try to identify one in this coming year's draft or the free agent market. You figure the rookie year of that quarterback is going to take his lumps, bumps, and bruises, and then year two, he's ready to really get going. Therefore, I would have looked at everyone on this roster, and if you're not in my plans in two years and beyond, I'm going to try to trade you. That means Cam Wake. That means Rashad Jones, probably. That means guys all over the defensive line, Andre Branch, and I don't know if the Dolphins would have been able to get anything for him, but I would have at least tried. That means TJ McDonald. I think Kiko's here for two years and beyond. He's been playing very, very well this year, despite what people are saying. I would have looked at other guys, Ryan Tannehill. I would have tried to unload him, even though it would have been very hard to do so. But all those other guys, if you're not here in two years, I'm looking to move on from you. I'm looking to accumulate as many draft picks as possible, evaluate the young talent the rest of this season, and gear up for the next year, the year after that, and the two years after that to really build the contender and hopefully do it the right way. Obviously, the Dolphins stood pat and didn't do anything at the trade deadline. Houts, if you were the Dolphins' general manager, what would you have done today leading up to the deadline? We were all debating on Twitter, and, you know, we talked in our little group chat about whether or not the Dolphins were going to be buyers or sellers, and they turned out that they were just going to remain content with what they had. I know there was some talk that they were looking into HaHa Clinton Dix. Whether or not that was, uh, you know, accurate or they even had a shot at him is yet to be seen. But for me, I, th- I think when you take a step back, you got to look at the overall picture. And I know Sutton t- discussed Rashad Jones last week. It was this big thing on Twitter, and, you know, that that's the kind of approach I would have had as a general manager. I would have started to sell some pieces to bring in some draft pick compensation because at the end of the day, 
you're not going to win football games in the NFL without a quarterback. And whether or not you think Ryan Tannehill is the guy or was the guy, uh, his body's starting to break down. I know the report came out today about his arm. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. But for me, I would have tried to acquire draft picks while not throwing away the season because this team is still 4-4. Four and four. Um, you got to th- you got to think that his team wants to be competitive, and Adam Gase believes that his team. I know he went out and said that you know he has the right guys in place. So well, of course he does because he's the one who handpicked these guys. But you have to think that the Dolphins still believe that they have a chance. And at four and four, I mean, who's to argue they don't? So we're all in the Brock Osweiler train. I would have liked to see him go out there and try to get a Teddy Bridgewater because I think at the beginning of the year he would have been a good piece to bring in here. I think he would have been a guy that could battle with Ryan Tannehill and could possibly be that quarterback of the future. I know a lot of people want to say, you know, he hasn't been too healthy himself, but I would have liked to go out there and get a Teddy Bridgewater. I don't know if that would have happened at this trade deadline. That's something that might happen in the offseason. But overall, should have gotten rid of Cam Wake. I mean, he's 36. He's a good pass rusher. He's a guy that he deserves to go to contender and play in meaningful games because he's not going to get that here in Miami. No matter what we want to say, the Dolphins are not competing this year. Even if they make the playoffs, they still got Brock Osweiler and Ryan Tannehill, a quarterback. I don't think they can do any damage. So I think I would have been a seller. I would have went out there and tried to get draft picks, try to get players to build upon in the future because you're not going to win without a quarterback. And the best way to get a quarterback, whether it's in free agency like a Teddy Bridgewater or you're going into the draft and, and trying to move up there and get the Carson Wentz's, the Jared Goff. Sure, this draft class doesn't have that high, flashy name, but uh, you know, the closer we get to the draft, those players are going to start to rise to the top. Boise State's quarterback's one of them. Uh, Herbert over there in Oregon, the Ohio State Haskins team might come out. I mean, there's guys who have the potential, and the Dolphins need to find their quarterback because you're nothing in the NFL without a quarterback. I threw out the Rashad thing because I'm definitely in the selling market, but I had to kind of step back for a second. And what I realized about myself and watching the Dolphins over these years is as the season goes on, I get a little bit more objective. So I think that's why at this middle part of the season it's a little bit easier um, to digest the fact that the rest of the season may not go very well and we've lost four of the last five games and it's it's really natural to think that the the last uh, half of the season is not going to go the way we want so hence why we're in the selling market but I had to ask myself what did we have to sell and Devonte maybe but when even when you look at Rashad and Cam Wake, with the age, Rashad's a little bit banged up right now. He's kind of a niche safety. He's getting older. The, the contract's probably a little bit prohibitive. What, what could we have gotten for him? What team, what, what player do we have that's going to put another team that's going for that Super Bowl? What player is going to put that team over the hump? And I just don't know that we have that player right now. Devontae maybe could have gotten a a day late day two, day three pick more likely in my opinion. So I don't know that we really had anything to sell, guys. So, um, you know, we, we didn't have the quote-unquote middle-aged players, for lack of a better word. You know, the, the players in the Kiko Alonso arc in their careers that we could ship off to another didn't have the veterans in my opinion i you know just mentioned rashad jones and cam wake and i'm I'm just i'm not seeing any other really viable candidates that could have went to another team and helped them so you know as much as we would have liked to have been sellers in this market and it probably would have been smart for us long term i don't know that we had anything to sell 
you do have a good point there, right? So we sit here and we say we should sell this, we should sell that. But when it comes down to it, do other teams want what the Miami Dolphins have? You said, you mentioned Cam Wake, and he's uh, 36, 37 years old. No contract after this season, free agent. So if you're looking at the Rams, let's say, right, probably one of the best fits for him. You're looking at a contender, someone who needs that pass rusher to go over the top. But Cam Wake hasn't been... I would say great on film. Yes, he's getting pressures the same rate he's always been getting his past few years in the league, but he's not translating that into sacks. And he's a liability in the run game as well. So when you look at the Rams and then they ship a third round pick and whatever else it was to the Jaguars for Dante Fowler, Fowler's a former first round pick, young, just getting his feet wet in the league, going into a system with Wade Phillips. Maybe they could turn him around. Cam Wake, you're getting someone rest of the season, who knows what after that. So you're right, Sutton. In, in that sense, there may have been issues where nobody wanted any of the Dolphins guys or wanted them but was offering very little compensation for them. Or if it's if it's one of our younger players like a Laramie Tunsil or something like that that teams are looking at, those are players that are absolutely off the board for me. So there are certain players that you're not going to touch on the team and some of those young players in our nucleus, and I think we'd all kind of agree on some of the players that would be in that, those guys are off limits. Absolutely. You're absolutely correct. So what the Dolphins wanted to do in the trade uh, market here, and, and they were trying to be a little active. I do know that from people I've talked to. But the compensation was a little out of control this year. So they wanted to get, um, as you've seen with wide receivers, they wanted to get a run-stuffing defensive lineman, and they weren't able to pull it off. They had interest in cornerback help. They were looking at the wide receiver market, which we mentioned with Devontae Parker. We'll get more on that later. But they wanted a run-stuffing DL to kind of make up for the loss of William Hayes, make up for the area that they're struggling in in the center of that line where they're struggling to stop the run. So they went out and signed defensive lineman Ziggy Hood, who last played for the Washington Redskins. Sutton, you've, you've learned a lot about Ziggy Hood over the past few hours today as the Dolphins brought him onto the team. What can you tell us about Ziggy Hood, who he is, and how you think he's going to help the Dolphins for the rest of this season? I mean, it's a depth signing, guys. I mean, we're we're looking at a decimated defensive line right now and an unproductive defensive line. So we're really looking for anything, literally a guy off the street right now. And not to say that Ziggy Hood has had a subpar career. I think he's had a at least an average career, if not above average. He was drafted first round out of uh, uh, Ole Miss to the Steelers in 2009. So you're going to see a little cronyism here because he was with the Chicago Bears in 2015. Of course, our head coach was there at that time. So there is some familiarity there. So Gase has been known to bring in those familiar faces and knowing the the verbiage of some of the schemes that he uses. So he's going to come in and he's really going to help on the defensive tackle probably more specifically, but could also do a little defensive end work if we need that, depending on whether or not Charles Harris is going to come back this next game. We'll know more tomorrow when the injury report comes out and we see who's practicing, who's not practicing. So, um, I, I again, just a depth signing, guys. I don't think we're going to see too terrible am- amount of snaps from him other than given Devon Godshaw and Akeem Spence a, a breather here and there. 
And what we're hoping to see in terms of more snaps moving forward is none other than quarterback Ryan Tannehill. And he is dealing with some injuries right now. Uh, the latest report from Adam Gase saying he doesn't have the velocity and the power that he once had with his throwing shoulder. And that raises some red flags, folks. Three yards per carry. The uh, podcast, part of the Five Reasons Sports Network. Very well connected with this Tannehill story. They've been on top of everything. Reported several weeks ago that Ryan Tannehill's injury may last several weeks. And here we are, lasting several weeks. His status for the Jets game is probably going to be doubtful once the injury report comes out on Wednesday. Whether he plays against the Packers remains to be seen, but there are mumblings right now that he could be out through the Dolphins by week and maybe beyond. We mentioned on this show that the Dolphins might be using Tannehill's injury as an excuse. Gase might be. Who knows? We don't know what really goes on inside that building. But the fact is that when it's your throwing shoulder as a quarterback, that's, that's cause for concern. Outs earlier on Tuesday, you put out a tweet, a very accurate tweet, that mentioned Ryan Tannehill has basically become Chad Pennington. Can you expound on that, Houts, and just tell us what you think this means for Ryan Tannehill moving forward and for the Dolphins organization? You know, I try to keep things light, and I try to go out there and, you know, say that as a joking manner, but at the end of the day, when they sit there and talk about his arm strength being an issue, isn't that what Chad Pennington was? He was a very accurate quarterback. I think he's the most accurate quarterback in NFL history statistically, and he just couldn't throw past 15, 20 yards, and you're going out there and you're hearing that Ryan Tannehill can barely throw a Nerf football they're concerned if it's ever going to – I mean, it sounds like they might be concerned if it ever comes back to where it once was. So, I mean, I went out there and I said it as a joke. But it's funny because at the beginning of the year, if you would have tweeted out, you know, Chad Pennington or, or that even Ryan Tannehill was as good as – was a equal quarterback to Chad Pennington, that he wasn't more a significantly better player than Chad Pennington, people probably would have bashed you. You would have – you know, you would have lost followers. You would have gotten heated arguments because everyone loved Ryan Tannehill. And I went out there and I tweeted that and – Immediately, everything that was in my mentions, there were just people going off and saying, that's an insult to Chad Pennington. You know, Chad Pennington was so much so much smarter than what Ryan Tannehill is. He has a better grasp of football. He, has, he was more accurate, this and that. And it, it's just crazy. I mean, I, I think we've all kind of done it, but it's just so crazy how quickly that you turn. You know, you sit there and you say Ryan Tannehill is the franchise quarterback. He's... He, you had people in July saying they'd rather have freaking Ryan Tannehill over Patrick Mahomes. In what world would anybody have ever said that? I just don't I just don't understand it. Anybody that ever watched Patrick Mahomes throw a football would have never said that. And people yet went out there and, you know, they said, I'd rather have Ryan Tannehill because he was the Dolphins quarterback. And everyone had hoped he was going to pick up where he left off in 2016. He wasn't injury prone. Well, guess what? He is injury prone. He's a slightly above average quarterback. And now the team has a quarterback issue. So when you sit there and you tweet out, you know, he's – an equal quarterback to Chad Pennington, or he is now Chad Pennington. I, I was just baffled by how many people were defending Chad Pennington because uh, if Chad Pennington was in the NFL today, you know the Dolphins aren't going 9-7. and seven. I mean, it's the same story. So for me, it's a huge concern. The Dolphins owe him a ton of money if he's on the roster next year. But I just don't see a better option out there. We mentioned Teddy Bridgewater. We mentioned drafting a quarterback. But if you draft a quarterback, you still need to have that veteran in place, and uh, it's just hard. I, I think you need to see how this season unfolds. But for me – Ryan Tannehill, his days are absolutely numbered in Miami. Uh, you have to feel like this coaching staff, you know, Adam Gase, he kind of hinged his his ride to him and his coaching career was kind of tied with Ryan Tannehill. And you see him taking a step back now and realizing, you know what, like 
if I want to be a head coach in the NFL, I need to get my guy and I need to go out there and, and try to win games with him. So it's crazy to think of how a couple of weeks ago people were downplaying whether or not he was even hurt. And now we're what, four weeks later and he's still not throwing a football to the same velocity that he once was not even throwing a football last I heard he was throwing left-handed you know he's going to pick up a nerf football this week so it's definitely concerning and the Dolphins have a lot of money locked up in that guy a lot of years invested in that guy uh it's hard to say you know hopefully this isn't the end of Ryan Tannehill because you don't want him to go out that way you invested seven years in him and you want him to go out because of injury I mean those first few weeks of the season he looked good then he looked like crap and then he got hurt. So uh, it's it's really I'm, – I'm torn as a Dolphins fan because you, you want to see him get a fair shot, but it's been seven freaking years. So you need to have a backup plan. I, I do think Ryan Tannehill's days in Miami are, are numbered. Looking long-term here is that this next quarterback draft class is not going to be that great, and this free agent quarterback class is not going to be that great. So – we're just going to have to see if something kind of weird happens. So it, it just doesn't know if this is going to be a quote unquote buyer's market to, to get a quarterback next year. So it may actually be in the Dolphins best interest to have Ryan Tannehill on the roster next year without having to uh, just get rid of him for the sake of getting rid of him and sacrificing that uh, salary cap implications there. But one guy that we thought was going to be a huge part of this offense and has been a mild part of this offense is Kenyon Drake. And I just can't imagine what's going on in this young guy's head who had such a great end to the 2017 year with perhaps an even more precarious situation than what he's facing right now. But uh, sharing the load with Frank Gore and really seeing some even split results. And even when you're kind of rewinding through the season, Kenyon Drake, game two against the Jets, had more touches and was more productive than Frank Gore. So it was really that Cincinnati game. I remember uh, MC Money and I were, were talking really quick. It's like, what's going on with Kenyon Drake? Why is he not getting the touches? we were speculating that maybe he got in trouble with the team or something, or that he was missing blatant assignments or being really disruptive in some way. Cause it just didn't add up that the reps that he was getting and the talent that you saw, the production that you saw at the end of 2017. So I really think we're just in a offensive identity crisis right now. We don't know exactly what we want to look like, running the ball. I don't think we know exactly what we want to look like passing the ball. And that makes it really challenging when you don't have a kind of go-to part of your playbook. People have talked about the fact that Frank Gore has gotten the majority of snaps over Kenyon Drake in terms of running the ball. And Adam Gaze simply explained it a few weeks ago saying that Frank Gore knows how to fall forward and get the yards that they need to continue the offense to move. But has it really worked since the Cincinnati game? Because that's when it first started. If you recall, prior to that game, the Dolphins were struggling, and Adam Gay said he had some ideas to get Gore and Drake both involved in the game. And then we came to Cincinnati, and we saw Frank Gore getting the majority of the bulk of the rushing, and then Drake coming out of the backfield with the catches. It continued then, moving forward past that game, to the Lions game, also to the Texans game. And the offense has not moved much since the first three games. 
So I'm not sure that Adam Gase's philosophy is working. We kind of talked about this last week in terms of trying to mimic the Saints offense with Kamara and Ingram, the one-two punch there. And you see what the Saints is. Kamara is the lead back and Ingram's the uh, secondary back. In Miami, it's reversed. Gore is the lead back. Drake is the second back. But it seems like whenever Drake touches the field and gets the ball on his hands, big things happen more times than not. So we'll see what happens there. Another time where it happens more often than not, at least for the Houston Texans game, was Devontae Parker. And uh, I know you guys did film review on this and all of Devontae Parker's roots and catches and everything else that happened during a Texans game. So I'm going to have you both touch on this a bit. But Devontae Parker was not moved during the trade deadline. Supposedly, there were several teams interested in him, but interested means a simple phone call would do, and then it gets twisted to drum up the value or whatnot. Adam Gase is being reported as his biggest fan in the building by three yards per carry. And it seemed as if Adam Gase over the past few years has been gaining more and more control and personnel. And if Adam Gase loves Devontae Parker and is his biggest fan, then he's probably winning that power struggle more often than not. I'm going to start with you, Houts. Will we see the same Devontae Parker we saw against the Houston Texans? Or was this that was a or was just that a mirage where Devontae's name was being floated around and he wanted to put on a show for the rest of the league? Well, I honestly think it's a little bit of both, and I just want to clarify it was Sutton that did the film breakdown. You can check that out on the Finsider. Um but overall, I mean, this is a Devontae Parker that you thought you were going to get when you drafted him with the 14th pick in a 2015 draft. Six receptions, 134 yards, 22.3 yards per reception, and he had that long of 46. And it's hard to sit here and say whether or not, you know, this is the Devontae Parker we're going to see for the remainder of the year because we've seen it throughout his his first several seasons. You know, the injury bug kind of hits him, you know, whether it's a nagging hamstring, uh, hand issue, whatever it may be. And then he just misses games and he kind of goes away. But I do think a lot of it had to do, you know, Houston's defense, their secondary was pretty banged up. I think they lost a couple guys during that game. Prior to that game, they were banged up. But at the end of the day, I mean, this is all the Dolphins had. They had Devontae Parker. You know, Kenny Stills was out. Albert Wilson's out. Yes, you got Jakeem Grant. You got Danny Amendola. But at but what it comes down to is Devontae Parker is that number one wide receiver. And you saw him go out there and be dominant. He beat his defensive back. He beat the guy across from him just every single time. You just hope that this is more of the Devontae Parker that we see coming over the next few weeks because his cap hit next season, if they pick up that fifth-year option, I think it's $9 million. And that's not a ton of money for a guy of his caliber that when he can go out there and make these plays, I think he's every bit worth $9 million when you look around the league. So it's not a surprise that Adam Gase believes in this guy because he has a lot of similarities with the Alshon Jeffries, the Demarius Thomases that he once coached. And, I mean, the injuries are there also. I mean, Demarius Thomas, he was one of those guys in Denver that he had the same problem. He was just in and out of the lineup. He had these nagging issues that kept him out. And then Alshon Jeffrey, too, in Chicago. So I think he's one of those players that he sees a lot of those guys in. He knows that he can be that game-changing number one wide receiver that his offense desperately needs. And you just hope that he can continue to do what he's doing because a team wasn't going to give up what the Dolphins wanted. And it was reported it was a third-round pick. Whether or not that was true, no one will ever know. But if it was, and it does seem that the Dolphins, according to three yards per carry, they had several offers on the table. And they didn't trade Devontae Parker because they felt like he was more valuable than what other teams were offering. So you have an issue at wide receiver. 
You have a guy who should be a game-changing number one, and you have eight week, eight more games in this year to, to find out if he's that guy. And you hope he is because you put him in there with an Albert Wilson. You put him in there with a Danny Amendola if he comes back next year. A Mike Jasicki in year two. A Kenny Stills, a Jakeem Grant. I mean, that offense sounds deadly. So you needed Devontae Parker early in the year. You got him now. Go out there and see what he can do. Devontae's a guy that obviously I root for on Sundays, but someone that I gave up on a while ago. And it was nice to go into the tape on on Thursday against Houston, despite the ass kicking. You know, there, there was a silver lining there that Devontae played well, and it's both the poison and the antidote. You know what I mean? It's It's both indicative of the fact that he – does have those really good games when he plays with and bold and italics when he plays. So, you know, it's, it's both a tease and kind of what he can be. So it, it is a little bit of a paradox there, but you almost wonder the way he was playing. And the one thing that I really wanted to see in that tape is how did he approach the game? What was his body language? Like what were, you know, was he distant? Was he uh, rah-rah? Was he aloof? Was he engaged? Was he focused? And I think you could tell early that he was pissed off in a good way, in a constructive way. And it made me think of 2016 with what Adam Gay stood with Jay Ajayi and left him to go to Seattle on the road the first game of the season and left him back at home and look what happened at the end of 2016 season, the way Jay Ajayi played perhaps, and I'm, you know, obviously have no clue if this is actually going to materialize or not, but the way he was playing with that chip on his shoulder, I think that's the one thing that Devontae really needed in his professional career to play with anger and to be able to control it, maybe he's able to do it now. But with that being said, he was possibly our only trade commodity as we have kind of ironed this out through conversations with each other and really think we probably should have sold. Interesting thought there. You mentioned that you wanted to know his demeanor leading up to the Texans game. Brock Osweiler actually said that Devontae was – focused in from the very beginning of the week for practice and Brock knew he was going to have a big game. Now what I would twist your question then would be how has he been compared to the rest of the games in his career compared to this one? Is that switch finally coming on? We will see if he can keep it up against the New York Jets. Something you say that you think the Dolphins should have sold him. How it seems like you had a little bit of a different take on that. I can't decide one way or another because I don't know what goes on, truly goes on behind closed doors with Devontae and what his coaches are telling him to do. And I don't know all the assignments that he's running and if they're right, if they're wrong or whatever. But looking at the long-term future, he needs to show that he can stay on the field if the Dolphins want to reward him with a big contract. Otherwise, you're just spinning the wheels and stunting the growth of others below you. Before we wrap up the show with Sutton and Houts, any last thoughts on the Dolphins, the trade deadline, or anything else around the NFL? Houts, you got anything? No, I think the Dolphins in the second half of the year, they need to go out there and they need to 
run the football. You got to get Kenyon Drake involved. You got to limit your mistakes on offense. You got to go out there and learn how to stop the run. I mean, is a Ziggy Hood really going to go out there and make that big of a difference? Probably not. But the Dolphins had 10 days now to prepare for the New York Jets. They are the New York Jets. So you need to go out there and win at home because if you don't, I mean, as crazy as it is to say, this season could be over. Uh, you need to get Minka Fitzpatrick out there. I know he's kind of been that hot commodity. People are wondering why he's only getting last week 54% of the snaps. It's it's insane to think about because Bobby McCain was getting torched by Will Fuller on the outside. And, I mean, yes, Minka's not a boundary corner, but who's to say he can't do a better job than Bobby McCain? I don't think that that's the case at all. He should have been put on Will Fuller. You need to find a way to get him on the field. I, I'm sick of seeing a guy like TJ McDonald getting 100% of the snaps when Minka Fitzpatrick deserves that. I mean, you drafted him with the – with the 11th overall pick, he's that guy who you believe in. I mean, you got to go out there and you got to get that man on the field because he's one of the best defensive players. And again, another thing, pass rush. I mean, Cameron Wake, yes, you're 36. Yes, you just got knee surgery. Andre Branch, you're making a ton of money. Charles Harris, get healthy, do something. Robert Quinn, I, I think you look pretty darn good in preseason. And now you're just kind of, uh, you know, I see the holds. I, I realize you're getting those pressures, but they're not equating to sacks. And you're paying these guys $32 million combined to, to go out there. And I think it was three sacks I saw. You got to get a pass rush going. You got to stop the run. Matt Burke, you're fighting for your freaking life out here. I mean, you're not going to be a defense coordinator in this league if you keep doing what you're doing. So if, so for me, Dolphins, uh, you got to go out there. This is, you're, you're pretty much uh, starting the season fresh. You're, zero, you're zero and zero right now, and you're going out there trying to make – a playoff push because that AFC's up it's up for grabs whether you want to say it or not I mean you believe in big in Brock Osweiler you believe that he has the intangibles to lead this offense do enough to keep keep the team in the games the defense needs to show up and and I think us as fans I mean we want to sell at the deadline we know that's better for the long term but these guys some of these guys are fighting for a job especially in the front office I mean you can't think Mike Tannenbaum's safe so these last few weeks, they have a lot of line on them, and the Dolphins need to go out there and make some things happen. I just look forward to breaking down the game later in the week and getting into some of the stuff that we saw week two against the Jets that we were able to get out of that game. That You were talking about Robert Quinn, Houts, and that was the one game that he did have a sack, so maybe he has another one this game. Who knows? But... Um, you know, just just to throw this out there for everybody who everybody who loves the Dolphins as much as we do, be prepared for purgatory talk. Be prepared for the long term versus the short term approach. Be prepared for those conversations. You know, you're not less of a fan because you think long term it'd probably be better for the team to lose. You're not. You're not a bad fan. And it's so easy for Dolphins fans because we're so pissed off all the time because we haven't really done much for the last 25 years to, to throw shade at each other like that. But there's really no wrong approach to, to seeing how the, the rest of this season is going to play out. So just because you're in the selling market doesn't mean you're not going to root for them on Sunday. Just because you think Cam Wake is probably better off playing on a different team and rooting or I'm sorry, participating with a possible Super Bowl contender as opposed to being a Miami Dolphin because you actually respect what Cameron Wake has brought to this team. So there's different ways of looking at similar situations and similar players. And, you know, it's we're, we're all in this together. So let's not um, – throw too many rocks when we all live in a glass house we're all dolphins fans okay so 
just be ready for those conversations. It's not really that threatening. Sutton pulling his best Dr. Phil impersonation there to wrap up Finside Radio, but I think you've hit the nail right on the head. Yes, everyone wants the same result. We all have different ways of getting getting there, and that's no different than any other walk of life where you're working with other people who all share the same vision and the same goal. We all want the same thing again, but we all might think of different ways to get there. We'll see what happens when the Miami Dolphins take on the New York Jets this coming Sunday. The Dolphins 4-4 four and four, coming back home to Hard Rock Stadium, seeing if they can beat the Jets and get back on track as they look for a playoff hunt. Again, we'll have a preview episode of the Jets later in the week. We'll have a special guest from Gangry Nation breaking down both the Dolphins and the Jets. For Aaron Sutton and Josh Houts, I am Matt Kanata. Thank you for listening to Finsider Radio. We will talk to you next time. That was Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, because we're the Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Yes, we're the The greatest football team We take the ball from goal to goal Like no one's ever seen We're in the air, we're on the ground We're always in control And when you say Miami You're talking Super Bowl Cause we're the Miami Dolphins Miami Dolphins Miami Dolphins number one Yes, we're the Miami Dolphins Miami Dolphins Miami Dolphins number one Everybody! Hello, you are listening to Simone de Rochefort, one of the hosts of The Polygon Show. It's a show all about the video games that you'll never have time to play, brought to you by four friends who are just as passionate about food, soft drinks, and TV shows as we are about video games. Every Friday, we bring you a new hour of personal stories, like how we found the best way to play Yakuza 0, Or even what happens when you play so much Zelda that you hurt your hands and can't play games anymore. Above all, we just have a really good time talking about the games that we love. Check out the show on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcatcher. You can also find us at Polygon Show on Twitter and send a tweet to say hi. Thanks for listening. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. 
With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it. Then, in that moment, you don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done, and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of, like, afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts.